Civil Sentinel Podcast. The Civil Sentinel Podcast is brought to you by Zavala1836.com. That's Z-A-V-A-L-A 1836.com. If you like all things tactical apparel and stickers, head on over, check it out. It supports the podcast. We are live. What's up, fellas? What's going on? How's it going, man? E-G-I-F. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I'm getting ready for a five-day weekend right now. Good for you. Fourth of July weekend. For uh, the audience out there, we're recording this on Friday before 4th of July. I have recorded in a while. I've been crazy busy with work. I've just now started to lighten up enough to where I can edit some of the recordings that have been stacking up. Starting to get those posted. I'll have uh, another one out tomorrow, which will be July 1st. And we'll probably have this one live in a week or two. Yeah, man. It's been, I think, six weeks since we recorded one. So thanks for joining me, guys. We got a resilient civilian tonight and Wyoming survival. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on. I I love doing these shows. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this was the the, the crowd we had last time. Uh, we are minus Tito today. He's on Fourth uh, of July vacation. We tried to get him on, but he's drinking and fishing, so can't interrupt that. Gotta gotta keep drinking and fishing, Tito. Here's to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah here's you tito i'm drinking one for him <laughs> same here yeah what are you guys drinking tonight uh voodoo ranger of course like your signature beer man it's, it's the unofficial beer of wyoming survival <laughs> I, i've just got cores light tonight as soon as soon as the warm weather hits i grab that and i just working out so i drink that like water hydration man yeah uh let's see it was Close to 107, 108 today here in Texas, and we are like 60, 70 percent humidity. So I'm drinking White Claw. Don't make fun of me, please. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you're not drinking Bud Light. So, <laughs> you know what I found out? Um, funny enough, you know, some of the some of the people who drink the most that you might not guess, law enforcement officers. Back when I was working for the sheriff's office, I walked into the patrol office one day and. Walked in on a conversation between one of the sergeants and one of the deputies talking about, you know, what their favorite drinks are. And one of them says White Claw and vodka. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, don't discount it just yet. I thought, I, I thought the same thing. And it, it wasn't as bad as you'd think. Now, I have done this. The Ruby Grapefruit White Claw. If you pour a shot of tequila in there, it's actually really good. There's a reason I don't touch tequila. <laughs> I don't drink white. I don't drink white claws. They're disgusting. I mean, it's it's like it's like the sparkly waters with half a shot of vodka. <laughs> uh, I have had the Bud Light spar- uh, seltzers. They weren't too bad. I'm just not a I'm not a seltzer guy. Takes one of us. Kind of an acquired taste. Yeah, because it's there. They're cheap and it's not like malty like a beer. So it's yeah, it's it's what I grabbed from the fridge tonight. So right, no one no one's judging. I actually just don't like the flavor of them, is what. No worries. Is Sigint Systems hopping on? It looks like it. Yep. Hey, Sweet. what's up, man? Oh, not too much. How's it going? It's Sorry, I'm, going. Uh, 
We are rolling. So you are hopping in. We just went through introductions. Welcome. You're a little, a uh, couple minutes, few late, but uh, what's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good. Huh. That's what you're drinking tonight. Uh, nothing tonight. Right on. Right on. How's, how's Colorado treating you? Not too bad. It's uh, not too bad. Deal. Well, we were just kicking uh, rocks back and forth, talking about Night Claw and Bud Light and hot temperatures and beer. So, glad you could join us. Yeah, I don't know if uh, too much to contribute to that one. I'm, I've never been much of a beer drinker. I, no, I like hard liquor. <laughs> nice. Gentlemen, I threw out a question time request out there. I'm in the Reaper channel on Telegram. I uh, put out that uh, we're recording a podcast and... Ask them if they had any questions that they wanted fielded on the podcast tonight. Put it on Instagram, too. Let's kick it off. Let's go through some of these questions, and then we'll uh, take it from there. Let's see what we got. Here's a question we got. Baofeng is so good. Why not two Baofengs? I saw that on your uh, on your Instagram story. I wasn't too sure about that one. That's how things are good. <laughs> I think that's a trolling question, if, if I'm to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it almost sounds like the assumption is that, you know, you're carrying two because you're expecting one to fail. But. Touche. Expecting one to fail. I'd be expecting both to fail. Carry a six pack of Baofangs. Yeah. Sorry, I, I haven't had one good experience with the Baofangs. I know some people like them. I know some people have run for years, but out of probably the six or seven that I've had direct, there's been so every one of them. And I just. Sorry, I hate them. Yeah, I have to say the same thing. You know, when I started uh, doing small unit tactics and training and Baofeng was like the go-to radio, this was back in 2014, 15, which has been almost a decade. It's been nine years. I can't even count the number of Baofengs I've had burnout. It's got to be it's got to be over nine or ten. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they probably did a good thing for the community as a whole as in terms of getting more people involved or getting people kind of latched onto them and just not... They haven't tried to move forward. They, I mean, for the longest time until P25 really started hitting hitting the community hard, there wasn't much else better being presented other than maybe you know the Yesu FTC. So I'll I'll give it credit for that. I'll give it credit for at least getting people's foot in the door. But too many people just got. Um, I've had my Baofeng since 2012, the very first one I got, and it's finally kind of starting to die. But I really haven't had the problems you guys have had with them. I mean. All of them, everyone I have still run except for that one from 2012, and I'm just having a few problems with them now. I definitely wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really recommend them to most people, but if that's what a crew wants to run, I'm just like, yeah, well, we'll make it work. Yeah, see, I think that's the correct attitude is, you know, you, you got to start somewhere, right? And hey, if that's what you got, bring what you got. We'll make it work. But I, mean, I am definitely going to be one to encourage body to be like hey use this as training wheels and let's plan let's make a plan to take them off yeah i agree and i think if if, if the bow is what gets them started in the comms world i have no nothing against that i think it's a great thing so if that's what they want to buy the first thing go buy them a 19 dollar Baofeng off amazon which i think the last time i looked that's what they're running and that gets them into that world that realm of the comms and and you know helps them you know, a little later maybe want to move forward i say go for it yeah, for sure. In comparison, not having any radio at all. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, for twenty bucks, dual band transceiver. That's that's huge. I mean, and just being able to learn about different types of antennas, different just all all sorts of different things. It's 
yeah, a great place to start. I mean, I could argue the better than no radio at all point, but that's just my own experience. Mine, mine quit in the middle of when I was in the middle of foot patrol. So it was, it was no radio. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I saw a post from Ham Radio Crash Course today. He was posting about, he said he was cleaning up his shack or something, and he found a Balfang in a box, and he put it very well. It's like schizophrenic quality control. That's kind of spot on for what's going on with the Balfangs. You get some that are fine, and you get some that do everything but radio. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not sticking up for Balfangs, but I will tell you guys that we all had Balfangs during our three-week Recondo training. And we never had one problem with them radios going down during the three weeks of training. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been been there before, too. We used to do some long four-day, five-day ops with training occasionally. Everybody's Baofengs went out perfectly. Then there's been other times where I had a brand-new Baofeng, and, like, after 48 hours of use, it doesn't work anymore. Sounds like the schizophrenic quality control is about a great term for that. Exactly. All right, here's another question. Uh, this is coming from the uh, Finance and Maneuver chat on Telegram. Uh, Tids writes, uh, even with encryption, is talking in code still important for the sake of uh, intrusion of the comms? Uh, I think I know what he means by that. The first rule of tactical comms is always assume someone's listening, even if you're using encryption. So, yes, you, sh- you should plan on talking in code. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree as well. I would qualify that with um, with brevity code, because um, if I if I reference briefly back to the post I did about code being a tool and not the answer, if you make a code that's overly complicated, you're you're essentially making a new language. You kind of have to approach that the same way you would of like a high school Spanish class. Like you have to put the effort into adding your group to do the same. Because just because you're learning code the way you're supposed to, it doesn't mean that everyone else, if you speak that code perfectly, it doesn't mean that everyone else is going to understand it. So whatever you can do to best simplify that, all right, I'm kind of going off the rails a little bit, I feel like, but. Oh, that's that's legit, though. I mean, that falls into TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures. Um, you know, you've got you've to make things simple. If you overcomplicate things, it's just going to break. The other thing for brevity code is to shorten your message. Shorten so that if you shorten your message, you're shortening that transmission time. So, um, yet you got it encrypted. You're using brevity codes to shorten that message down, which is a less likely chance of getting your frequency captured. Yeah, absolutely. E- even if it's in, even if it's encrypted. Right, and at the same time, it's also it's keeping it's by spending less time on yourself you're keeping the net open for anyone else that needs it you're not standing there on the mic the entire time blocking out anyone else who's trying to come in who's got something to say yeah for sure short short answer yes you should plan on uh talking in code even with encryption on um that is i mean the military does it even though they're going to be using encryption they're going to be using operational code call signs everybody code uh, even code words for objectives and status and uh, when roads and target reference points, all that stuff gets code words always. And every op's different too. Those code words are constantly changing. So when you do an op brief, that's when you're going to decide code language and 
uh, issue it to everybody. If you're going to write that stuff down on your pocket, on, on a notepad in your pocket, you'd be ready to dispose of that on a moment's notice too, where it cannot be recovered in case. Uh, this is all coming from a tactical perspective, but in case you're compromised. So uh, all things to consider. Yeah. And also keep in mind, like how many different ways we find to say one particular thing just in everyday language. It's like all the different ways that we have to say hi to someone. If you kind of leave a lot of that open-ended for radio traffic, there could there's a lot of room for what you're saying to be misinterpreted. So if you can utilize code and a brevity code to where it's this specific thing means this and this only. If you can get everyone on board with that, it's going to help it's going to help you understand broken transmissions a lot better as well. Especially if they're static, you're not trying to have to pick more words out of the noise, if that makes sense. You're kind of listening for a select few select few phrases. Let's roll on to the next question. Uh, this is coming from Reaper's Hide on Telegram. This is uh, Reaper 11's Telegram channel. Question from Zizor. I actually got a couple questions from him that I want to field. The first one is, how do we separate legit comms folks and information from the shills in the industry? That's a good question. And we can get into this. I don't want to name the names, especially the village idiot. There's a bunch of good pages out there. And there's a bunch of pages that are regurgitating uninformed information, I guess you could say, for lack of better terms. And then there's a bunch of ham pages. So part of that answer comes from which perspective do you want to come at this? from are you just interested in ham radio as a hobby uh are you more interested in emergency com communications mcom than you are tactcom tactical communications uh because you know there there's a there's multiple approaches to what information source and influencer and information pool you want to dip into uh you know radio is radio but it's all structured a little bit differently so my two cents on that is look for look for demonstrated knowledge and capability within the subject matter that they're talking about. And this could apply across all of the spectrums of instruction. So pay attention to what it is they're saying and how they're saying it. What, what they're saying and how they're saying it can be very telling of how much they actually know about it. To certain people, and without naming names, Certain people, if you listen to what they're saying, you can tell just by the way they're explaining what a certain button or knob on the radio does, you can tell that they clearly don't actually know what they're talking about. So pay attention to the content that's going out, how they're describing it, and whether or not it's got the same, whether or not, whether or not it's got that level of instruction that you're looking for. For example, I've never posted anything giving any instruction on small unit tactics on my page. So if I've if I've never posted or said anything about that, what reason do you have to listen to me about it? Whereas if I'm posting stuff about iTerras and this is how you load encryption keys, this is how you wipe the keys from the radio, look for stuff that proves their knowledge and their background in the topic. Good answer, yeah. Practicality. And, and on the influencer side of things, and one of the things I like to look for a lot is, are they making money off of it? Is there a way for them to be making money off of it? How likely is that company to be sending the money? 
Um, it, I don't know, just stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point, too. If, if There's a bunch of people that do this for the passion of it. I think a lot of our community is kind of in that camp. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing this as a business, too. There's nothing wrong with doing this as a business. And just because you're doing this for a passion, that doesn't mean that you're illegitimate either. Um, there's something to be said about being on either side of that coin. If that makes any sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, anyone out there doing that sort of stuff is, you know, necessarily doing something wrong. It's just, something worth keeping an eye on you know just it's easy to just consume content but you know if you can take a second look at it and you know try and figure out what those person or what those person's biases are or why they might be saying what they're saying he's a great example person mojave repeater he's got his mojave repeater page in his business and he's going around and doing teaching comms classes he charges for them. However, he's legit. He's a Marine RTO. He's very knowledgeable. He's got the plug on um, dealer status for a bunch of different brands. High Terra, uh, Maxon, I believe. He's a Maxon dealer. He's built his uh, Mojave Repeater Lunchbox. He helps people get Part 90 license for a business. But he's also out there engaging with the community and and help and answering questions. As far as his capacity will allow it, that's somebody making money who's uh, interfacing with the community in a constructive way, and it's not all about the almighty dollar for him. I'm not trying to suggest that it's all bad if they are. It just, I don't. Know, it's one of the things that I try and keep an eye on. There's, I think that's valid though. There are a few people out there that primary objective is to make money and to grow their user base for the purpose of making money. So, considering. I mean, you're not wrong. I think on what and Andy's example too, you know, is the fact of like you're putting out content that shows you know what you're doing and shows what you know what you're talking about and gives examples of how to do stuff that does show that you're you're maybe a little more legit than someone who company sent them a radio and they really don't know anything about it, but they want to talk about it because a company sent it to them. I mean, there's a huge difference to me in that. Yeah, for sure. Like being sponsored by. Like, like having a YouTube. I mean, I I, I, mean, I want to be sponsored by a radio company too, but I'm going to at least know how the radio works. Yeah, for sure. It's like, oh, fine. <laughs> I mean, at least I wouldn't be telling them saying things how it didn't, it didn't, you know, how it worked when it, that's not the truth, you know. From us, I think, from what I've seen from all, all at least all, all of us, we're out actually putting out, hey, this is what this does, this is what I did, here's what, you know, it, here's what i'm doing i try not to put out anybody's call signs but i you know i do talk about the contacts i made um, and show some of the stuff as much as possible but try to keep a little bit of opsec for everybody else or comsec whatever you want to call it yeah just uh just talking about something in general just uh just kind of having a one-way conversation with the camera just talking about it doesn't actually show kind of knowledge about it but actually you know like um, and what what you're doing, showing the the HF contacts that you're making, talking about those, but actually kind of showing some of them in progress, showing the equipment that goes into it, the antennas, making the antennas, all that. That all, yeah, you, you know where I'm going with this. I yeah, I you know, and I I'm no I don't know radio theory by memory, but I know enough to make it work, and I can I can prove ninety percent of it works because I videoed most of it. 
Video or it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why you got to take pictures when you're at the gym. <laughs> Here's another one. There, uh, Dave from uh, Reaper's Hide on Telegram. He's asking for some uh, reading references, book like that. Uh, so let me start with saying uh, Tactical Comms wrote a book called Frozen Signals, and I can't for can't remember what his uh, pen name was there. Do y'all remember? Not off the top of my head, no, but I know if you just search Frozen Signals on on Amazon, you'll find it. I've been meaning to pick that one up. That was a really good book. Did you read it, Tony? In fact, yeah, I did read it. I bought it. As soon, I, I didn't know that was him, and as soon as he talked about it, I bought it. Um, and there was some stuff in there I had I had read before, but then I read his book, and I, you know, it's been a while. It reminded me of that, so I'm trying to find go. it. Actually. On goodreads.com, Frozen Signals by Merlin Jacks. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it's a good book. Tactical Comms is his name on Instagram. Uh, we had him on the podcast. It was a great conversation. He's very knowledgeable. He does his, he does radio for a living. Uh, great guy. I, I still can't get over his improvised repeater setup. I mean, most of the time I think improvised repeater. I'm thinking, you know, something simplex or like putting something up in a tree or hiking it up on top of a hill. But like, nah, we're going to put a whole bunch of... Uh, radio gear and maybe some cellular stuff on top of a fire truck and just put that, you know, 50, 60, 70 feet up. Probably a lot sturdier than most amateur fixed location repeaters. I just thought that was really neat. He's been, he's made a career out of this. He's done it for what he said, I think 30 years at least. So he's got some knowledge and he's a dealer. He's got, he's got the inside scoop on that uh, Kenwood P8000. A couple of them in hand. Lucky him. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till those things start popping up on eBay. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a while still, I think. Well, uh, a combo can help. We got more books we want to go over? Well, I got a whole pile of them here if you want me to read some off for, for this guy. Building your own metal from scratch. Real quick, I'll, I'll grab the, the author, but a uh, great, great book goes over um, from basically nothing how to build a. Uh, a metal shop. It's like fab shop fabrication. Uh, like lathes and casting equipment, uh, that sort of stuff. Just to be really, really self-sufficient in in that area. Right on. Right on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess if you're going to start manufacturing your own equipment, unnecessary to have on hand. I wish I had a means to fabricate plastic because I do radio housings and battery housings and uh, antenna stuff and. Uh, that's something I I want to get and it's it's handy. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really is a game changer. I can't tell you how many times I've. I mean, there's just tons of random stuff around here that still works because of a 3D printer. I don't know. It it becomes uh, that hammer where everything is, is solved by 3D printing after a little while. I'm still dying to get my 3D printer set up. I'm. I need to get my. Uh, I need to get a workbench built out in the garage before I can get the 3D printer set up. And then I can get the 3D printer set up so I can build a housing to make a, an NFED halfwave for my HF radio so I can get a permanent install going so I can be on that more. And then I, that workbench is holding a lot of stuff up. But yeah, 3D printing is going to change a lot. And especially with it being so affordable now, like you can, you can get a 3D printer off Amazon now for a couple hundred bucks. And then all you need is either bell housings or find some that were already done online and you're you're set 
Very true. Very true. It's, it's a hobby that I haven't really gotten into yet. I don't. I don't have the time right now. Maybe one day I will. But and I've had some buddies make some pretty cool stuff on three D printers. It's, I've been watching you, Sigant. What you're doing? It's a hell of a skill, man. Thanks. It and it it really is handy. I mean, funny thing is the printer that I use uh, the most is actually more reliable than the well, the three D printer that I use is actually more reliable than the two D printer. Believe it or not, um, just on average, the amount of jobs sent to it and how frequently one of them screws something up, jams, their extruder issues. I don't know if my 2D printer is just really bad or, or what, but you know, it's, like, it's kind of funny. All right, I got uh, one more question here. We'll use this to kick off the discussion for the rest of the podcast. Uh, and this is what I reached out to you guys about. This is kind of in regards to training we've been doing here locally um and tony this is right up your alley because you're kind of on the same train of thought as far as radio selection that i am uh andy you kind of are and you've dipped your toe into the high terror world a little bit uh sigan you're more on the p25 side but uh here's the question where are all the cheap radios on ebay emr or p25 so i know where he's going with that basically the the, the topic I wanted to hit on was EMR or P25 for outfitting a group and why. I'll, I'll, I'll kick this off and then we'll, we'll bounce this discussion back and forth a little bit. But me personally, I've leaned towards, I've chosen, that's a better word for it. I've chosen DMR uh, simply based on the fact that A, it's more available. B, you can get turnkey packages for it. C, the, the price point for turnkey. It's there. It's it's a little bit more on the affordable side. It's still pricey, but it's more a little bit more on the affordable side than P25 has become anyway. And it's a little bit easier to grasp, get trained up on to to implement. It's not addressing uh, what's the best efficient radio to use. Uh, that's addressing a practical. It's the best thing that I can get my hands on and put in the hands of 25 other guys right now and get it up and operational quickly. That's the perspective I'm coming at it from. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you there, Jake. My my whole radio thing recently kind of kicked off back in, I guess that was October, November last year when I bought a couple of uh, 5100s, bought a couple of them off of eBay, and... um. I'd kind of been going back and forth about whether or not I should go with P25 or DMR because I already had my Anytone 878 at that point. I was like, okay, do I stick with DMR works with that or do I do a complete 180 and go with P25 and start getting equipment for that? Well, I tried to dip my toe in over there and uh, the two radios that I got, both of them had something wrong with them to the point where I wouldn't be able to use them the way I wanted to. And thankfully, I was able to get my money back on those. And so that kind of uh, that kind of kicked off a whole bunch of research on my end. Well, which one should we, should I realistically go with? Which one's better? I started trying to find like side by side comparisons of P twenty five and DMR, and there really weren't any. So that's kind of what kicked off my series of posts on that. I put a fair amount of research into it myself, and ultimately I arrived at DMR being the option for. A number of reasons. Now, I'll 
I'll qualify all that with saying that I think the hardware for P25, the hardware for P25 is fantastic. There's absolutely nothing wrong with those radios. And the XTS 2500 that I used at the Sheriff's Department, to date, that's still one of the best radios I've used. And I'll probably again someday for that reason. But for the kind of availability of DMR, the availability of new off-the-shelf equipment, the ease of sourcing uh, the accessories and components that you need, like programming cables or whatever else you need. If you buy a new Anytone or BTEC, it's got that programming cable in the box. If you buy something like uh, an EF Johnson 5100, even uh, like a VP600 now, like Tito's trying to get a programming cable for, some of those don't have programming cables available, namely the VP600. So it's coming down to one having to be custom made. And I know guys like us are, we've kind of got the dedication behind it that we want to make these work, but not everyone else does. And that's something that I think a lot of us need to keep in mind. Like most of us, most of us are going to, or most people are going to want something that they can pick up off the shelf and it's ready to use. Yeah, I mean, with P25, that just really isn't there. I mean, heck, if I had to outfit 25 guys over the course of a month, month and a half, I'd, I'd go DMR all day. You just... Being able to source that many radios, knowing that they're all going to work, knowing that you're going to be able to get components, and yeah, just if time is an issue, all day, every day, I go DMR. Yeah, and uh, I've got the P25, the EF Johnson 5100s, I've got the Hytera, and then I've got the Anytones and the BTEX, and you know, for me, it's the capabilities you get with what you buy. Um, I did do a video about, you know, the, uh, you know, you, there are trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. These P25s, they're super rugged, they're super waterproof, but there's, there's some capabilities they don't do that the Anytone, uh, that I prefer personally on the Anytones or the BTEX do. Um, the fact that you just, like uh, Andy said, you got the cable comes with the radio, the CPS is right there. Um, it does take a little bit to figure out what you're doing, but it doesn't take much, and you have Everything you need to do, you can put your software, you know, or AES AES two fifty six software encryption in it on your own. Put your own codes in, program what you want. Um, or dual bands, analog, digital, do do SMS unreliably, unfortunately. But for for the capabilities of these Anytones and BTECs, I can't I can't recommend. When people ask me what do I recommend, I mean, like personally, I would. That's these are the radios I'd send out. These are the ones I tell you to get, but you get whatever you want. Uh, it's just the capabilities you get with these radios for me is why I'm hardcore into the DMR. I wish Hytera, I think if Hytera would jump into the dual band, I would, then I would definitely probably jump over to Hytera as the recommended radio. But until they do a dual band, or you know, I'm, I can't recommend the Hyteras. Hytera, if you're listening, it's a dual band radio. Just... Just make a dual band radio already. Yeah, because the high terriers are very tough. They're rugged radios, you know, and then I think uh, I think it probably was you, Andy, but maybe someone else that said they actually encrypt the metadata that's so scary for everyone. Um, that's true, too. That's just another plus side for them. I'd pay the extra $200 for the encryption on those. 
Well, and that's you don't even have to pay for the H two high tech the air encryption. That's over the air encryption. That's what you're talking about encrypting the metadata, the signaling. That's um, that works with or without the AES two fifty six. So even if you're just using it with uh, with ARC four, you can still have that over the air encryption. And I've tested that out over uh, over uh, DSD plus, and it it does encrypt the the talk group and the the radio ID. It won't encrypt the time slot because that's a physical property of the waveform, if that makes sense, as well. Yeah, color code. Those are still those still show up what they actually are on the radio, but the talk group and the DMR ID those are are encrypter. All right, on. So the last patrol or the last comms class I taught in May, I actually had made up a new SOI, and the SOI was actually you also changed your you changed all that you talk you changed your radio ID every mission you change your talk group ID, and if you wanted to change the color code and the time slot you change those so you weren't always the same radios broadcasting and i'm i do i mean you know the best you can do to offset that is what i figured yeah and it also depends on how like if you are doing that with high is it um it kind of depends on how you set it up because you can set up a number of different um encryption keys for over the air encryption so you could even make a separate channel just for a separate over-the-air encryption key. So as soon as you switch over to that other channel, you're using a different key for over-the-air encryption, and you're going to have a different um, you're going to have a different radio ID. Then it it's going to show up as a different radio ID and a different talk group just because of that different key, even if you're on the same same frequency. Right on. Yeah, I think that's um, that is one of the things that I like about the the DMR radios. I didn't get too far into programming p25 when i had those 5100s it was a pretty quick turnaround i realized real quick that hey these aren't going to work right i need to start getting my money back on these and figure something else out but with every with every dmr radio i've used save the um the limited keypad pd662 high terras i can change the dmr id i can change the talk group all from the front panel of the radio. I mean, with the high terras, I can even write a new encryption key from the front panel. I don't have to have the CPS to do it. I don't have to have a key loader. I can just use the keypad on the front. That's definitely a better option than uh, at least the Anytones. Yeah, that's pretty valuable. So, part of the reason I like the BTEC so much, why we chose it for our group, is UHF and VHF, dual band. It's awesome. It's fully panel programmable so you can sort of vfo mode mr mode that's you know manual mode or memory mode um so you know i can program in a simplex frequency or a duplex frequency and i can save it into the memory bank and um i can toggle between digital and analog from the front front panel i can turn on encryption turn off encryption from the front panel you know all that capability is there the only thing that you can't do from the front panel on the VTEC Anytone radios uh, is input and encryption key. Uh, all that has to be done in the CPS. But that CPS is available. You can go to the website and download it. And it's not really that difficult to use. Uh, it's got a few bugs in it that I wish that they would kind of address. But it's nothing that's a deal breaker. And it's nothing that you can't figure out. Um, but, you know, like some of the some of the other radios out there, like you have to 
create zones to have front panel programmable access. And, uh, you know, that, that complicates it to a level where that's just more training that you have to, to give your group or to teach a new user, somebody who's never done it before. And, uh, you know, that can be quite overwhelming for a new user. Um, there's a lot to take on there. Um, plus, price point on these radios, the BTEC is $209 for the base model, $300 for the Pro. I think the Anytones are $300. Same radio, different firmware. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty decent uh, price point to start off with, for what you're getting anyway. You know, I mean, there, it's definitely not the best hardware available. There's there's much more to be had out there. You know, when you get into the high terror realm, you're stepping up to $600, $700 range. They do have some $400 models, but some of the features that are available for the BTEC and Anytone radios, they're not available on Terra and some give and take there. And also, it seems like as you're stepping up, you're stepping into single band only radios. Uh, so you got to decide which which band radio do do I want, which band radio do I need. Having a dual band radio, that's awesome. I love having a dual band radio. It really is. Kind of give you an. I'll give you an example of that. Is I, I taught the patrolling class I taught in May. I took the EF Johnson with me. I had it set up in my chest rig. Nah, they all of course had Balfangs, which whatever they had them Balfangs in Ziploc bags. And but I, I knew better. I mean, honestly, I should have took my. I should have took the Anytone or the BTEC. And of course, they chose a UHF frequency. And my radio is a VHF frequency. <laughs> so I had no qualms with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot to be said for a, a dual band radio for civilian use. Because if you start looking at single band radios, you start looking at either MCOM or TATCOM use. If you've got a single band radio, you're almost, you're almost really limiting yourself to TATCOM tactical communications but if you're if you're trying to look for emergency communications you really need to be looking at a dual band radio for example in my area like i've said with my testing for whatever reason uhf blows vhf out of the water for simplex but there's the uhf repeaters that are in the area don't have near the same coverage as repeaters do with a vhf repeater i can reach from where i'm at right now to I could easily reach from where I'm at now down to like an hour's drive away in Boise. I could reach further up north. The VHF repeaters will reach all over the place. The UHF ones, they're good if you're if you're relatively close to them. The audio from them is really clear, but they start to get really spotty the further away you get. So having having a dual band radio. If you really have to recommend just one to someone that's just getting started and they kind of want something that is going to kind of be able to cover all of the all of the functions that they might want out of a radio, then as much as me as much as we might not like to admit, the Anytone and the BTEC are going to be a great way to go. Like Jake, like you were saying the other day, they're I mean, I agree. They're essentially like the PSA of digital radios. It's the price point is right. The capability you're getting from it is right. It's not perfect by any means. It's got issues, known issues with SMS. It's got known issues with encryption. But really for what you're getting, 
the capabilities eighty-six out of the box, fully programmable from the front from the front face, aside from encryption keys. They're really hard to beat. Granted, in the days when um, the XTS twenty-five hundreds that were coming from the Marine surplus or the fifty-one hundreds that were coming out of surplus, when those were all a hundred dollars or less then yeah, there wasn't much of an argument to go for the Anytone or the B-Tech, but the way the with surplus up, they're getting pretty attractive. Yeah, and that kind of gets back to answering the question is, what happened to all the cheap radios? It's really unfortunate that the surplus radios are coming slimmer and slimmer. Um, you know, with Motorola, you have to check to see if it has the UCM in it to be able to use encryption. and If it doesn't, you have to buy that UCM. Unfortunately, or XTS 5000s, right now, you can't find UCM. So you're kind of rolling the dice when you buy the thing on whether or not you're going to have a UCM in it or not. Uh, the 2500s are available. It, it's uh, vice versa. The uh, 2500s, it's next to impossible to find them on. Um, the 5000s, you can find them all day. Um, sorry to interrupt. It just I don't want someone to buy a 2500 thinking that those are the easy ones to find encryption modules for. I've heard a lot of folks are actually going out of their way to buy 800 megahertz 2500s to pull the UCMs out of them and put them into their radios. On that point, that's an additional cost, too. And for, from a cost perspective, too, you need the radio, then you need to buy the UCM if you want to use encryption. And then you need to buy the programming cables. Some of those programming cables are a buck fifty. 200 bucks you know that's that's a hefty extra cost and then a lot of those radios yeah, you know I'm, you're buying them with with feathered or end-of-life use batteries those batteries are another 60 70 80 90 bucks you know so you're just piling on costs by the time you accumulate a battery a charger a programming cable a ucm and then you get into your key loader that's a hefty cost you know what i mean yep. so that that the the cost just goes up and up and up and up not to mention a key loader is a very dedicated piece of equipment like realistically if you want to get into that for a preparedness standpoint you're starting to redundant any of these do i really need to have on hand what if what if this one breaks then what well i think it's important to keep in mind what both of them were were kind of built for and built around i mean P25 was primarily designed for interoperability, and I mean, those key loaders are intended to be able to take a encryption key, load in one radio from one manufacturer, and then do the same thing to another one. So you know that if you have such and such EF Johnson and a Harris or, I don't know, a tape, if it does P25, operates in the same bands, and you have the connectors for it, you know they'll or, um, again, intended for very, very different segments of the market. That's a great point, and that's actually something I kind of wanted to touch on. The design intent of the particular mode, I think, says a lot about the radios themselves. If you look at P25, P25 is used a lot by government agencies that have a whole lot of infrastructure to support it to really take advantage of some of those features once they start getting into trunking and all that. Where DMR, DMR was kind of designed for the business side of the commercial market, 
where it's designed for, you know, it's really like even small companies could take advantage of it. So you've got other stuff in there that um, it makes it easier for small groups to really take full advantage of these radios. Like if you were to go with a, if you were to get DMR and go with a single frequency repeater, which just to clarify, it's not a simplex repeater, single frequency for DMR specifically, since DMR has two time slots, a single frequency repeater and transmit on the second one. So it acts like a, it acts like your typical ham radio duplex repeater, but only needing one radio. It doesn't need, it doesn't need the separate antennas or anything like that. It's just a different programming feature. Okay, one my another one of my negatives on P twenty five, which we talked about this, I think, in the last podcast that I was on here was was that you know like the Udenin Cat four fifty six or whatever I can't even remember the number it is that scanner I've got, um, you know, it'll close call P twenty five like it's no no big deal, and then you're running P twenty five, you're running on the same system that local law enforcement, local government, every entity is running, and uh, my thoughts are why give it to them. Now, why just why be on the same system they're on? And uh, if they did by chance capture your frequency, they got a radio guy there can just punch it in. And then you know, even if it was your your stuff was encrypted, they could still see that you're broadcasting. Uh, that's another one. At least make everybody work for it a little bit. And it is a little more work to do the DMR. It's not impossible by any means, but it's a little more work. Your local LEOs can't aren't going to do. Most of them aren't going to be able to get DMR. I'm saying they're not going to be able to pick it up. I'm saying trying to catch it, it's not going to be that easy for them is what I'm getting at. I mean, there is kind of merit to having something that looks a lot like regular public safety traffic. If you're ever in a situation where you want your radio traffic to kind of blend in. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, I mean, DMR makes makes a lot more sense, but... You have a good point. Hiding hiding in the noise, I guess, is a, is a good is a valid point. I'll give you that, Sagan. I think that also kind of depends on what the what the quote unquote noise in your uh, basically basically what I was saying was that the local agencies in my area are still running analog. So P twenty five a P twenty five signal in my area will actually stand out a little bit. And that's kind of where coming in, getting your baseline is, you know, of your area. You go, you need to sit down and you need to be scanning, need to be monitoring what what kind of uh, signals you have in your baseline. So I know here I've got P25. We just have phase one. I have multiple DMR places. They're all businesses. And then we, you know, we've got some analog also. Um, Knowing what, where to, you know, where to kind of hide in the noise at is part of getting your baseline of your area. Yeah. And here in... North Texas, DFW, and the surrounding metro areas, this area is growing like crazy. There are so many agencies using D P twenty five. You know, once you once you break into that world, it's it's so saturated. It would be easy to blend in, except for most of them but I I could say most, pretty much all of them are all P twenty five on seven eight hundred megahertz. There's no public use available for that band so you know for those people out there that do attempt to pirate seven eight hundred megahertz this is the wrong area to try to do that because it is so saturated they will you, somebody's going to detect your signal and, and come find you our, our p25 is all vhf so we have one section for uh, 800 megahertz but i'm i'm guessing I, I can't find what it is i mean i found the listing of the frequencies but I'm guessing it's a government frequency and not the local law enforcement. I've never heard anybody yeah, on still, there. Still, though, it's not something you want to toy around with. It's 
No. No. Yeah, I mean, out of all the ways to get direction found pretty quickly, uh, interfering with public safety, radio communications is uh, really, yeah. really good way to do it. I mean, if you're up in like rural Alaska where there are no radio systems, you can probably get away with it. Actually, you could definitely get away with it. But, you know, one of, one of my concerns about us talking about uh, P25 radios and as much as the 7, 800 megahertz radios as are available on eBay and other sources, auctions, you know, all that stuff. I'm I'm constantly in the back of my head like, I hope we're not encouraging someone to pick up one of these things and they don't know what they're doing and then they push the button and they're interfering with public safety and they get in trouble because we talked about it. I want to be clear that, you know, if you're going to get into this stuff, you need to understand what those bands are. It's, it's very important if you're going to take that jump. Yeah, if you if, if you don't know what you're doing with if if you don't know what you're doing with those radios, just don't don't take that risk because it's in my opinion it's really not that worth it. Seven eight hundred megahertz really it really shines when it has the infrastructure to support it. But if you're just using it simplex, the propagation on it is really shown to be not that great. I really don't think Simplex seven eight hundred has. I don't think it would serve a whole lot of benefit to civilian small groups. Maybe let's just put it out there. Don't buy a seven eight hundred P twenty five radio. I mean, just Kerr, don't don't it's not do it. Really worth the money. Don't do it. But you want to if you want to buy one, buy a VHF one because actually, if you're a ham radio operator, you have a license, you can use VHF on the ham VHF P twenty five on the ham frequency. Absolutely. You know, funny you say that. We we actually have a P25 ham radio repeater here in DFW. There's only one of them, but there is one. It's on repeater book. It's over in Richardson. Um, I've never been on it. Uh, I honestly don't have any desire to get on it either, but it's there. But yeah, you can you can dip your toes in P25, you know, as a ham radio operator on VHF cuz and we have one here. I didn't know that either. I was talking to one of the ham radio guys here and he's like, "Oh yeah, hit me up on this frequency." So I think we've got one down in Boise. So the the one thing I would like to add with the 7800 radios is um if you are going to do non-affiliate scanning, be super super careful. Those radios really really like to talk to those systems especially the XTSs, is that's that's a really good way to, you know, best case scenario, get your radio inhibited by their system or uh, worst case scenario, get a visit from the FCC. So I just got a question, Sigint System. Will they take their system will take over your radio? Um, a lot of them can inhibit the, the radio itself. Like if it tries to authenticate onto a system that's not supposed to be on, depending on how the radio is set up, manufacturer um, what type of system it's on it a lot of them can inhibit the radio which can be i mean to the best of my knowledge there isn't really a good way to uninhibit it without uh very It'd specialized like equipment or basically access to their equipment exactly same thing um and also depending on features some of them are set up where they can do remote monitor um don't don't buy seven eight hundred megahertz radios and if you do an honest 40 to 60 hours into really really learning the cps before you do anything with that radio near one of those systems and talk to people who know what they're doing with those radios who can answer your questions all right so 
since you guys brought this up, I'm going to talk about this AnyTone. We've got one feature on these AnyTones of BTEX you can't that I don't think you can turn off. And Jake, you might know this or not. Um, so if you go to one of your contacts on the AnyTones, and I, I think this is a uh, this is an exploitable thing, and it's actually from Sigint's video. So I go to any of my contacts on there. I select the contact. I go down and I can check their radio. So then that means my radio is sending their radio signal. And then it'll send one back and they'll say radio's good. Well, Sigins did that video where the one radio texts the other radio and he recorded it using HackRF and then played it back and it would send that signal back and you not know it. I don't think there's any way to turn that feature off on these AnyTones and BTEX of the auto reply when you're just checking the radio. Like all the other, the, the remote monitor, remote kill, all that's off, but it'll still check the radios. I have never thought about that, but now that you bring that up, my, my wheels are turning. It's like, you're absolutely right. I, I messed with, I, I did it the other day, and then I got, I was, I was rucking, and then I was like, well, I wonder if this radio can hear this radio. So I went and selected that radio at the house, and it said, yeah, and then I'm thinking, I don't think there's any way to turn this off. And that is an exploitable feature, if that's the case. So I, I've actually got my CPS open right now, so that kind of pushed me to look into it. Uh, I opened up one of my digital channels because I know I'd seen something in there. And there's a checkbox that I'm looking at on the channel. It says uh, data ACK disable. Oh, good. All right. See, right on live live podcast, we're figuring this out. So I, yeah, that's it, man. That's what this community is here for. So I, I want to, I want to say know, that might do it, Tony. You might, Tony or Jake, you might be the guys to look into it because I only have the one AnyTone. But maybe check out that checkbox and maybe see if you can program one oh, of those yeah. and see what that does to the radio. See if you can still. Do the radio check to it. I will definitely try that yeah. this week. So now that you brought that up, I'll try to I'll reprogram a couple of radios and see if that turns that off. Because that was one thing I was like, man, that's that's exploitable Absolutely. right there. Yeah. So it looks like it's something you have to program per channel. But when you open up the channel information, okay. it's kind of right up there at the top, right above the digital window where you program your radio ID and your color code, color code, and all that. I've got it open. I can see right there. Digital ACK yeah, disabled. I think that's it. Or data data a- ACK. Yep, there it is. I see yeah. it. I got my CPS open now too. I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> so and you know that was something I was going to bring up, and I was like, I was thinking about that. I was the other. I was like, man, I wonder, you know, if there's a way to turn that off. So hopefully, I'm gonna. I'll try that. I'll give that a shot and see if it'll turn it off. And for for what it's worth, uh, since we we're talking about the CPS, I know. I know this concern has been brought up before. It's been brought up in several of my comment sections about whether or not these uh, these CPSs are feeding any data back to China as far as uh, encryption keys or anything like that go. That was something that I brought up, uh, brought that up back in the day with a child of Derelet. And I, I don't remember if I mentioned this on a podcast before, but he turned me on to a program called Wireshark, where you can actually have your... It's a program that basically sniffs out all of your internet traffic going to and from your computer. And you can kind of check it all out over a certain time span to see if any of it's communicating back to any or what different servers it's going back to. And he checked out the Hytera CPS. I checked out the AnyTone CPS. And neither of us found anything that was raising any red flags about any data being transmitted over to 
any servers in China. And we tried all kinds of different functions through the CPS. We tried opening a new CPS, saving it, reading from the radio, writing to the radio, changing channel parameters. Nothing we did raised any red flags. So if anyone has questions about that, that's kind of what's been found out so far. The safest practice there is to just, if you're really concerned about it, the, the, the only surefire way to deal with that is do it from an air-gapped machine, always and only. And actually, some something else I will add to that, something I did notice that was a little bit fishy in the Hytera, in the Hytera CPS recently, I just recently... I figured out some different stuff with the encryption on the Hyteras, and it turns out the 64 character encryption keys are only their basic encryption level, which is lower than ARC4. It's apparently equivalent to scrambling. But anyways, I started going through the menu and changed the drop-down menu on all my keys, changed them to uh, 10 character only and not 64 characters, so I could run ARC4. I did that on the 782s, I changed it to 10 character and I got the first five keys because I think I had five or six keys loaded. Uh, I got the keys for the first five, copy and pasted them into a notepad so I could load them into the code plug for the 662s. Updated the 782s anyways, went into the code plug for the 662s, went to go plug in those keys in the uh, 662 code plug, changed it over to 10 characters. And literally all of the first five keys were identical to the first five out of the 782 code plug. Now, I don't know if maybe that was some kind of something cached in the computer memory that it pulled those out, or maybe because the Hytera CPS can generate encryption keys. But this kind of has wheels turning in my head. Okay, does the CPS have a set number of key or a does it have some certain keys that it automatically generates intentionally that could be referenced later? I'm kind of starting to think, starting to think for security purposes, and it's probably better better to do this anyways. But use a uh, uh, what was it called, like the KFD tool program to generate your keys, or something other than the Hytera CPS itself. Probably just a just a good practice to have there. But I thought that was kind of fishy when I noticed that. Yeah, that would that would be weird. You know what I do to make my keys? I got a bag of uh, 10-sided dice, a bag of A through F dice. And so all in all, it's like 20 dice. Throw them all on the table, and I arrange them just randomly, and I write it down. Then I do it again and write it down until I get to 64 characters, and there's my key. Truly random. Old school, old school one-time pad. That's not a bad way to do it. (laughs) Yep. And so if I if I uh, if I kind of touch back on the original question as far as where did all of the uh, where did all the cheap radios go? I've kind of I think I've seen for a while that these there's a I feel like there's been a lot of trend in the surplus P twenty five market because that's that's kind of the thing with surplus is surplus dries up at some point. So if anyone else was kind of familiar with the surplus AK market, there's been a lot of the similarities have been kind of uncanny. Like they all start coming out, they're flooding the market really cheap. Everyone's buying them. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone's picking them up. And as they start to dry up, the price starts going up. But it's not to the point where it's worth jumping ship already. Well, I feel like now we're at the point where most of it's all kind of dried up. There's still stuff trickling in. 
but I think at some point we're eventually going to see the surplus run out for the most part. But at the same time, the, the firearms market in the U.S. kind of reacted to that. And now there's fairly affordable, you know, new manufactured AKs coming out of the U.S. for the market because that demand was there. So if there's if there's the same correlations there between surplus P25 and surplus firearms, I've got a fairly decent feeling that some of these manufacturers are paying attention and I'm hopeful that they might put out some affordable P25 radio for the civilian market. I've got my fingers crossed for it. Half of why the prices are what they are for P25 equipment, at least in the U.S., is because a lot of those public safety agencies get grants and companies like Motorola have people who are basically dedicated to walking uh, those agencies through getting those grants. So, you know, they get the radios for a fraction of their budget and Motorola gets, you know, eight grand for an APX 8,000. Um, just, just my thoughts. I, I don't, I don't see P25 getting cheaper soon. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Cause I, I like P25 radios, but well, I, I should clarify. I don't think, I don't think stuff like the Motorola or the, like the high end LMR P25 radios. I don't necessarily think those are getting cheaper, but I've kind of got a good feeling that some of the manufacturers are paying attention and they might put out, something that's geared towards the civilian market that's on the more affordable side. At that point, it's not going to be built to the same level as an Apex 8000 or whatever else. But I think there's going to be something there to fill that gap. I hope so. It would be nice to see P25 adapt to the ham world a little bit, because then it could be... Or, uh, I guess, it would be nice to see P25 adapt to the commercial world, not in a sense of uh, public safety. You know, like uh recently i had to go to the hospital i had a uh i had a uh, cut an open cut on my leg that got infected and i got concerned about it when i was at the hospital the entire hospital staff had uh 75 50s motorola's dmrs you know but that's i mean that's that's perfect for what they're doing but you know what if what if these guys started coming out with p25 radios that were a little bit i guess for lack of better terms downgraded but adaptable to that level of commercial radio um I, w- I would love to see something like that happen you no know, i guess light light commercial p25 uh but who knows i mean i'd even love to see like icom They're, they've got a lot of p25 stuff out kind of people are starting to drift away from motorola these agencies out there it'd be nice to see somebody like icom like they've got a big presence in the ham world like it'd be nice to see them you know hey we, we've got these radios we've got the technology we've got the chipsets Let's just build something for the ham radio market that is P25. It doesn't have to have all the features and the bells and whistles and the capabilities that public safety needs or uses. But it's something that, uh, you know, the general public, the ham radio, light commercial, something they can get their hands on that's affordable and gives them an option to experiment with it. Question is, though, is that going to happen? Is that even on the radar for these companies? I don't work for them, so I don't know, but I'd like to believe that that's a real possibility. I don't think it will, because I don't think ham radio guys will adopt it enough to make it financially viable for them. Ham radio guys, half the time, just want analog. You know, that ain't real ham. Digital stuff ain't real ham radio. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of they think. And then, and then they think about this. So they make a ham radio P25. Well, then 
the most part, you're locked into the ham bands, which is a no-go for me because I don't want to be locked in on my radio. So, I mean, I'm not saying it'd be cool, but I'm just, I don't see that happening. I don't see it financially viable for them. I I, I hate to say, but I think you're right. I I hate to say that, but I I still have a little glimmer of hope in me that it's that that tide will kind of change a little bit. You're full optimist. I do think the next next thing we're going to see, though, is an IP67 dual band DMR with AES-256. I think that's going to be the next thing that's going to hit. From from any tone, because I've emailed them and trying to get them to do that. They were so close on that catalog that was leaked several months ago. So I'm wondering if that's the radio they said they were putting out. And they said they had a new DMR. It was bigger. It was going to be IP67. He said front face pro- programmable at the end of 2023. That's actually in the email oh, really? I got from them. Yeah. yeah, I emailed them because I was talking to them. I was trying to figure out some of the problems with the, eight, uh, the 878. And they said they have a new radio come out. And so I turned around and said, hey, this is what the people in the, the U.S. wants. If you guys can make this, we can sell this. And uh, I put the, exactly that on. Dual band, analog, digital, uh, IP67 rating. I wanted encryption. I told them, too, encryption on the SMS yeah, I give them a whole list. I was like, this will sell in the U.S. if you guys can make this. Yeah, I wonder if that's been part of the part of the reason we haven't seen some of the stuff out of that catalog that leaked yet, because that IP67 one they put in there was single band. Yeah, they just need to do dual. And they said that the, the Anytone basically wasn't big enough to do IP67. That's what they told me. It wasn't big enough to do IP67 rating. It needed to be a bigger radio, I guess. How is that possible? I don't know, but that was what the ex- explanation I got in their half-broken English. I don't know. My my PD662 is only slightly bigger than my Anytone, and the 662 is is IP67. Speaking of that, I want to ask Jake. I got one question because you're in Dallas or down that, in that area, right? How is your BTEX? In, you've had, obviously, wet, wetter weather than I've ever had. So how are they in the wet weather? Good question. So uh, I keep one in my, I got a few of them, uh, like you do. I keep one in my truck all the time. So I got one programmed. Uh, this is just kind of a, a, a tips and tricks for the audience, but I got FRS, GMRS, GMRS repeater channels. But once you get to GMR, FRS, GMRS 22, it keeps going. There's, uh, I think, eight repeater channels in there. Uh, I got all the NOAA frequencies for weather, and then I've got all the marine channels in there. I've got some LMR frequencies in there that I'm not going to disclose here because <laughs> I can't I can't talk about what we do for business on our radios. Um, and so basically, and, uh, the the long and the short of it is, I got it set up for both commercial use, ham use, emergency use, tactical use. It's a one-stop shop radio. It lives in my truck. I got a Nagoya Magmount antenna up on top of the truck, and then so uh, we've had a lot of weather here this year. Uh, we've had a lot of hail, a lot of big, major thunderstorms. We've had several tornadoes. So uh, whenever weather is rolling in, you know, Skywarn repeaters is a big one that I got programmed into the radio. So I'll turn it on and tune into those repeaters so I can figure out. All right, where's the hail at? Where's the thunderstorms at? Where's the tornadoes at if they're on the ground? Uh, you're getting better information there than you will from AM radio or TV stations. 
um, especially down here. You know, this is Tornado Alley. The storm chasers love to come down here. When I'm on the repeaters and it's raining, like, you know, at the rate of two inches an hour, which is like super intense rain. There's a lot of water in the sky attenuating that signal. Works fine. Now, I haven't tested that on Simplex. And this this is kind of a can of worms to open right here. But, you know, we've we've done some testing lately. I have a Simplex repeater. Kind of, I like to turn it on and just drive around the neighborhood or when I'm going to the store or something and just kind of like test out like what kind of range can I get? What kind of problems am I having? Uh, and I'll test the, the, the two bands too. I'll, I'll put it up on a push-up pole in my backyard at 20 feet or I'll put it on a, on a picnic table in my backyard. And, you know, just kind of play around with it and see what the limitations are. And, you know, they teach this in the ham classes, but when the, the, all the trees right now are fully leafed out, we've had a lot of water. So all those leaves are green. Which means those trees are carrying a lot of water. If you've got a lot of trees full of water obstructing your line of sight, you're going to have attenuation. Uh, VHF hits it hard. If you can get that VHF antenna over top of the trees or at house top level, it's fine. So as far as weather goes, humidity goes, you know, I can't really tell much of a difference, to be honest with you. I mean... There's got to be some kind of difference that can be measured, but I've, I haven't really stress tested. And I mean, I w- the only way to stress test it is to plan to do that during a storm. And uh, with my work schedule, I just don't have that as an opportunity right now. So, all right on. Have you tested the IP rating on it at all? I mean, like, have you had it out in the field while it's raining? I don't know what you yes. know because I don't know what you've done. Yes, I have. So before we moved up here, I, I lived down in Austin for three years. Uh, down there, we had a tornado in our neighborhood, north of Georgetown, and uh, so I, I, you know, my, my reaction always during tornadoes is, all right, I'm going to grab my radio, I'm going to put it on the repeater, and I'm going to listen to the storm chasers because they're going to tell me where it's at, what direction it's headed, how fast it's moving. And that gives me enough of a heads up to be like, all right, what do I need to do? Do I need to put my wife and my daughters in the bathtub with a mattress over top of it? Or do we just sit back and, and wait for it to pass? You know, there, there was a legit tornado in our neighborhood down in Georgetown. And I was outside in like sideways, intense rain with the, with the radio up to my ear, just getting soaking wet, just crazy soaking wet. Uh, listening. To uh, Skywarn going off, and uh, at the time it was like, I don't care if this radio is ruined or not. There's a tornado in the neighborhood. I need to know where it's at. I'm going outside and I'm watching the sky and I'm listening to the radio. And the radio got soaked just as much as I did. You know, and I was only outside for it was enough to that that radio. I mean, probably the equivalent to spraying it with a hose still works. Oh, you would you would say it would resist a torrential downpour? Absolutely. The most, you know, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I want to, I want to test it, and I, w- I would love to have one to test to the point of failure. You know, start small and work your way up. Well, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to blow two hundred dollars like that. I, I completely understand. And I want to bring something up, just since we're doing this podcast here. So many people are focused on the tactical side, and I, and you know, I think you had posted some stuff about eat more ecom. I mean, real life is 
is more e-com stuff, emergency communications, monitoring what's going on around you rather than the tactical realm. The tactical realm is actually a small sliver. So using all the whatever radio you have for e-com actually helps you out more. Even if you had a Baofeng, the Baofeng will get on your local repeaters. It'll help you with e-com. They'll all, you know, you got your simplex frequencies. Um, it's going to be the better, I mean, that, that's the option for e-com. Not everything's tactical, you know. I mean, we're not in a war. We're, we're not yet. So um, e-com is more relevant for all of us than the tactical realm. It's good to have a radio that does the tactical side, and you're like, all right, I can I can put this switch, push this button, and now, you know, I got my encryption on. But, I mean, honestly, the e-com stuff and being able to hear analog and, and monitor your local repeaters, that's a bigger deal monitor the no weather like you were talking about that's a bigger deal than really flipping your encryption on yeah 100 percent. i agree with that you know we we're going to use emergency communications uh 90 we're going to use tactical communications two percent i think that's kind of a, a a fair yeah i mean we we set up our radios for tatcom to use for training in our in our in our group but that's just so you know it's it's developing a skill it's 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 Obtaining a tool for the toolbox, whether or not we need it, is irrelevant. It's there's skills there that are transferable. In all practicality, MCOM, you're going to use it. I mean, especially where I live with weather. You know, snowmageddon. You know, you know, don't know knowing how to take your handheld radio and build a jungle antenna, which is going to, you know, broadcast your frequency even further, broadcast your broadcast. So, um, other than your little rubber duck you have on there you know knowing that yeah that's not tactical because i'm broadcasting it everywhere you knowing that to but you know you can get a message across to someone by throwing a jungle antenna up you need to know that kind of stuff and using your be able to use your handheld and a coax and jungle antenna um for econ i i tell you i mean that's some stuff you guys need to know out there you need to know how to get that signal out analog along with not broadcasting your signal. You gotta kinda know both sides of this, ecom and tatcoms. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. I had a few posts out there. Um uh some emergency communications protocols. It's kind of comms windows. Uh like there's like the three 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 plan. It's easy to remember three three three, right? So Yeah, that's from that's from Amron. Is that where it's from? Um and then there's yeah, that's from there's another one called the uh Looking for the post right now. I got it all written. I have I have a little journal I keep in my bag too. But uh, there's the wilderness wilderness protocol. So the wilderness p- protocol is a comms window. Every three hours, monitor for ten minutes. You start at seven a.m. and ten a.m., one p.m., four p.m., seven p.m., ten p.m. And you do it on the now. Are there are there frequencies on that? Yeah, the simplex VHF call frequency for ham radio one four six dot five two. And the, you know, the, the MCOM portion of this is if you're truly in an emergency, you can hop on radio and not be licensed and you're going to make the ham radio operators day. They're going to have a blast helping you get rescued. 100%. That's all ham radios want to do is they're ready for the call to save someone's life. Whether you're on VHF, UHF or HF, they are, they love it. That's what they want to do. So that's one of them. The other one is uh, the three 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 plan. Uh, so it, I'm going to read this. Here's how the three 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 radio plan works. Turn your on your radio every three hours for at least three minutes on channel three. So noon three six nine, midnight three six nine, 
kind of same kind of deal, but you know, you got a comms window, so you're saving battery. Uh, you if you know that comms window, you know when to turn it on to listen, or you know you you can turn it on and transmit at this time. How widely adopted this is, I don't know. But this is and when they say channel three, do they do they say FRS channel three, CB channel three, or is it both? Uh, so here we go. Um, most hams use one four six dot five two. That's what we just talked about. Non-aligned survivalist hams use one four six dot five five. Most commonly uh, used local ham frequencies would be three 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 channel, but it probably should not be a repeater. Hold on a second, I'm looking for it here. Okay, fr frs three, dmrs three, um, cb channel three, cb three. Okay, that's what I thought. Just just so everyone out here and listening knows that those are the threes that they're talking about. Yeah. And go look up your different frequencies. Study the frequency blocks. MCOM is definitely overlooked. And, you know, I used to spend a lot of time in the backcountry when I was younger and wish I could. But I have a career and a family and wouldn't change anything for my situation. But the the time that I do get to go in the backcountry now, it's like, man, I should have taken a radio with me all those years ago. As much time as I spent mountain biking and climbing and backpacking and snowshoeing uh i probably could have you know picked up some radio chatter out there and talked to some people in the woods and there's a lot of people that take radios into the woods with them it's i i I know i mean what i do when i go hunt with my buddies you know it's it's probably a wise thing to do honestly after uh, once i become a tech you know and i realized and found out about the repeater because i really didn't know um I was like, man, I should have done this years ago because I'm of the age there were no cell phones. I was like, I didn't have a cell phone for till well after 2000. So I've been and so I had spent a lot of time out in the desert driving around, you know, hunting and doing whatever with no communication whatsoever. But that that repeater has always been up there. You know, that technology has been there for a long time. And then I'm like, man, I should have I should have got this a long time ago. I'd always had comms back to somebody that I got help from if I was stuck out in the middle of the desert. And no kidding. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. But now I'm. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy what you don't know as a younger, younger adult, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Now you know I go into the mountains now, go camping. I've got my HF rig with me, but that's to make cool videos, put on Instagram to show, hey, look, I don't have any cell phone service or anything, and hey, I talked to you know Civil Sentinel down in Texas. Right. Hey, did you do ham radio field day? I did not. You want to know why? Because every day is field day for me. My <laughs> whole system is my whole. I have a solar panel connected to my system. I don't even. I was just like, I have no reason. And then look at half the videos. Half the videos I do. I'm not. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, nah, because I would just be making random contacts, and I really don't care. So uh, HF is new to me. I got my license uh, maybe November. Uh, Fine. Finally got a radio, maybe what, April, March, April, at the G90. At the G90, yes, right? Right. Great little radio. I'm impressed with it. Small and simple yeah. it is. Uh, so, you know, field day, never been on HF on field day. So I hop on, I knew it was field day. And they're like, uh, what's your prefix? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm new to HF. Just checking it, and they're they're like, you need to hop off the radio and uh, let the field day participants do their thing. 
It's like, really? That sounds about right. That's ham radio fuds. But what didn't you know? Your prefix or your my call prefix sign? prefix for, like, you know, my, my grid square, basically. They're, they log that stuff. They wanted to know your grids. Oh, yeah, your grid square. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not oh, a UPM grid square. It's like something's. No, it's, it's, it's the ham radio grid square. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's ham radio footery. I had a comment today on one of my posts that FCC, the, I posted those couple videos of decentralized comms last night. And then a, po- a comment today that FCC is going to get me and find me $50,000. <laughs> I was like, whatever, dude. So I'm going to give you guys an example. I just want to put this out there. You guys, I don't know. I, before I had got my HF license, I had a shortwave receiver that did single sideband. That literally had to been almost 10 years ago. Um, I'm listening to it, and there's a guy jamming an 80-meter frequency. He was jamming this net out of California, and uh, he was putting his call sign out there. He, I mean, he wasn't trying to hide it. He put his call sign out, but he jammed this net three nights a week. It may not have been 10 years, but it was in between 8 and 10 years ago. I just seen that this year the FCC finally did something about it. If that gives you any reference of how long it takes the FCC to do anything. And it was obnoxious. It was three days a week, every single week, this guy was jamming their their net. He was jamming it with his own stuff. Was this that story that Ham Radio 2.0 was talking about? Probably was. And that guy, I've listened to that. I listened to it. It was obnoxious. It was horrible. I mean, I would have went I would have, if I was the FCC and heard that, I'd have went over to his house and said something. It took them this year to finally do something about that guy doing that. (laughs) So, and so this guy today threatens me the FCC is going to get me for number one. For what? Talking free speech over the radio? Because that's all I was talking about in those posts. I wouldn't talk about saying anything. I said that, you know, big tech censors you for saying the vaccine's bad. Okay, well, I can say the vaccine's bad over HF. I don't think the FCC is going to find me $50,000 for saying that, you know? Oh, why, why would they? Alex Jones on shortwave. Yeah, Alex Jones on shortwave says a bunch of crazy shit, and he's still on shortwave. <laughs> and so this guy's like, you're going to get fined 50000 When they're going to find your frequency and find you $50,000. And I just laughed. I told him, good luck. And he's like, well, if you put it out there, you can find it. And this always makes me laugh of guys that see your reels and then make comments, but don't actually go through your stuff. and like, oh, wait, this guy is finding people's frequencies. Like, he's doing what the FCC does, you know, but yeah, goofy. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that the contesting side of ham and the self-regulating side of ham it's just it's so it's taken way too far well it's it's unfortunate the amount of people that are like so care they're, they're so worried about the government the government's gonna get you for that and the government's gonna get you for this i'm like they can't even manage the post office yeah, I'm like, they're going to get me for everything. They're going to get me on the radio for literally just saying, hey, you know, I, I mean, the posts I put, you were just talking normal stuff. I was like, hey, what's, how's it going? You know, whatever with the guys with Tantaluna, Idaho, he sent me some, wanted me to relay some messages. And then uh, Team Six, him and I were just talking nothing negative. We we're just talking. But, I mean, it is decentralized comms. That's all the post was about. You know, yeah. There's but, nothing illegal there, though. I mean, no, no. I mean, we all have our license, you know. So if the FCC come to our house, we'll be like, here, here it is. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want. 
You, I no, think we should be able to talk about anything wrong. You just can't. You can't advertise a sale. I think, and you can't play music. Speaking of freedom of speech, I love the the podcast with Terminal Armament, Vlad. Yeah, yeah, you like that one, huh? Yeah, and that guy's hardcore freedom of speech, and I'm like, man, this guy's got some good ideas. And he's, I didn't realize he was that young either. It was a great podcast. It really was good. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. I enjoyed talking to him, and he's he's definitely an out of the box thinker. And you know what? Some- that's what that's what we need. Yeah, for sure. And he actually changed his name from Terminal Armament to Freedom of Speech Armament. Yeah, I seen that, and I was wondering. I, I was thinking of some of them, some of the Twitter posts he'd put on, and some of the stuff he'd, you know, some of the people that are saying stuff. I was like, that's why I changed it. I could be completely wrong, but no, it was a great one too. So uh, I actually like this podcast. I listen. I've listened to every single one of them. So right on, man. Well, hey, you know what? Your your podcast, uh, the, that one we did a few months back. That's the most listened to podcast, believe it or not. That's because they like to listen to drunk dipshits from Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this guy's, this guy's out of hand. I just, I just, you know, I listen to a lot of tactical podcasts. Let me, let me tell you guys something right now. If you're listening to this, stop taking yourself so dang seriously. It's okay to, to have fun and be casual about this stuff. Yeah. Take your training seriously, but. Hey man, relax, enjoy life. There's some, there's some definitely yeah. too serious people out there, and then there's there's people that are, their followers are rude. They're awful rude too. I've seen some comments of some of the. I'm like, man, these guys are like gonna buy your stuff or do stuff with you, and you're awful to them because they ask a question. So confession, I wouldn't say that I'm rude, people, but the the volume of questions that I get has become unmanageable to the point where. I realize that my response to these people is short. If you're listening to this and you've asked me a question and you feel like I've been short with you in a response, it's, <laughs> it's not because um, I'm a dick. I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's time management. I just get way too many questions. I would love to answer everybody's questions. You know, it gets to a point. It's, it's hard, man. It's like answering questions and, and having a conversation with listeners and the audience. That could become a full-time job. Um, I can't. I can't keep up with the comments on the on my posts. Um, I actually do not get is I do I do not get as many com or questions in the DMs, but I get a lot of comments. I just took Joe Rogan's advice, and I don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I read the ones, and, and I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I don't go to anybody's page and bash anybody. I just. I don't do it. You know what? That's their. 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 Whatever it is. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't go on anybody's page and YouTube and bash. Say anything rude. But if you come to mine and you say something stupid or just, I'm gonna put your ass on blast. <laughs> and now I have enough followers that they're gonna put you on blast too. Because this is funny. You know, some of this is ridiculous. I'm like now. Now that that that's a dumb comment, and now you're gonna get, you know, you're gonna get hammered because of it. I can think of one that you did, and I'm not gonna talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know what? Don't don't come to my. You don't have to agree with me. I don't care. Don't agree with me. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make anyone agree with me or think anything. But come over here, and a lot of this comes off of the the reels that are populating on Instagram. So these aren't followers. These are just reels, and they they see something and they just make a stupid comment. I'm I'm putting you on blast. I ain't messing around. I'm like, nah, we'll hammer this dude. And most of them don't ever say anything. That's that's one of the things I've been trying to reel in because I could be a real smart ass and I really enjoy it, <laughs> but uh, that's not a good that's not a good trait to practice to interface with the community. <laughs> yeah, I just I just like you. You come over to my page and say something negative. I'm and it's bad enough. I'm gonna hammer you, and I'm gonna let the guys that follow me hammer you too. So don't yeah. don't just yeah. you know. I don't say nothing on anyone else's page. I don't say nothing negative because it's none of my none of my business. I might say grumble to myself. That's retarded. But don't come over here and mess with. Don't mess with me either. How many times have you gotten the question? What kind of range does this radio have? <laughs> oh fuck! I haven't got that much. I got one. I got one recently. Is like, what, do, what equipment do I need? And I'm just like. Equipment for what? I mean, I don't even know what the, how to answer that. <laughs> which which part are you talking about? Because I do. Well, I have gun pictures on there. Which which one equipment are you meaning? You need a John Deere skid steer <laughs> with a bush hog, <laughs> and maybe even a hydraulic trencher. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I'm like I don't, I don't guys are like I don't even know what you're referring to of what equipment you need like. Because you didn't, even, they didn't even, they didn't even reply to a story or anything. They just asked me what equipment they need. So I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't get, you know, you guys get a lot of like, you get a lot of more questions of like, I don't get those questions really of like, what's the best radio? I don't really get that. A lot of the recently, I got like, hey, what, what do I need for an HF setup or something? But let me tell you what else I didn't, I've, I've never got. You got, I'm, we're gonna turn this to like PG thirteen. I've never got one person. Trying to sell me their naked pictures. I haven't not either. Really? Not once. Not one Somalian been like, "Hey, I got these naked these pictures. I want to sell you." And I feel like I haven't made it until someone has tried to sell me their picture. <laughs> <laughs> not that they, obviously, it's yeah. not theirs, but stolen pictures. Right. Right. Yes, yeah, because this is definitely you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, I, no, no, not one person's like, hey, you give me twenty dollars to send you these pictures. I'm like, man, I haven't made it yet. I'm still waiting for those days. But you know what? Alms guys don't attract girls wanting to sell pictures. The the answer to that is send me those pictures and I'll give you twenty dollars. <laughs> send them to me first. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll send them. It don't matter because I've never even got that. I've never got that far. Uh, I was laughing about this a few weeks ago. I'm like, I still haven't got anybody, any scammers trying to sell me sell me pictures. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't got that either. Not on, not on Instagram anyway. I got stuff like that on Facebook, but I got kicked off Facebook during the election. So, oh man, yeah. you Trump too hard, or did you boogaloo too hard? Because that was the two things that kicked everybody off. I mean, I, I wasn't even. I don't even feel like. I was posting or talking about anything radical. And I wasn't even like, I'm not a, a, a Trump toter either. But yeah, I voted for him. It's because I voted for conservative values. I didn't vote for the person Trump. I'm not loyal to Trump. I don't understand. I guess I do understand that they're trying to silence any and all opposition. 
anything that reveals corruption uh, is it going to expose their scheme and they're going to shut that down. If if you don't think that there's corruption going on, you need to wake up. Oh, you're because you're blind to life. We we are full blown in one of the most corrupt governments or corrupt eras of government in our nation's history. Like think about this: we're the biggest. This is the biggest co- government in world history. Good point. This is the biggest government in world history the biggest controlling entity in world history yeah it's not just the united states it's the world there this is awful i mean you're you're 100 right and this is i mean look at the this past week now you can't tell me this ain't 100 corrupt oh yeah we we certainly are and yeah it's a shame that's part, you know, uh, going back to my checking in podcast, that's that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. This That's what led me down this path anyway. And actually, I, this is a question I want to ask you guys right now. But, but back in 2014, when was the uh, Michael Brown incident when Black Lives Matter first made their appearance on media? Remember Ferguson, Missouri? Yeah, and I do not remember what year that was. I think that's 2014. I. It, it was like the first time that I can remember seeing riots like that in our country and Black Lives Matter popped up. Nobody had ever heard of Black Lives Matter before. And, you know, it's a tagline. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of, of course, Black Lives Matter. But then on the same coin, so does every, every other life. So what's going that's on? That's racist to say. So remember I know, that. I know. I know. Well, if, if, if that's racist, then color me racist. Yeah. It's, you'll, you'll, you'll accept it. I, I feel the same all that stuff is is like it was like our world and I, I feel like leading up to that time for for a few years like i i had this sense in me undescribable sense that like things are winding up the tension is winding up something is going to break somewhere i don't know what it is and then i saw ferguson happening and then it was like all right it's time for me to learn and develop and acquire some skills that will aid me in survival and community development and securing those that I love. And that set me off down a path that I didn't know that I was ever going to end up here as a comms guy having a podcast with you gentlemen tonight. It just kind of ended up that way. I mean, how, how did you guys end up in this situation? Well, I'm way older than you two, which we've discussed before, so... I'm still in the old school survivalist mentality. Like <laughs> I remember Rodney, the Rodney King beating watching that. I remember that too, but I was only like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, I just, it was something I, you know, like you said, you have a, something, I had something ingrained for me before I even got out of high school. There was something in me. I didn't want to be rich. I didn't want to be famous. I literally wanted to live in a cabin in the woods. That was my whole life's goal. And survivalism was just something that I loved. And so I, before I, I think I was 16, I got the Kurt Saxon Poor Man James Bond book for a birthday present. I mean, that's how that's how long ago this has been ingrained in me. And I've just kept moving forward. Um, I was a God, I can't even remember what they called it. I, I did a bunch. I had a bunch of videos from Paladin Press. So, I you know, I was doing a bunch of learning stuff from videos of Paladin Press until I finally seen there were guys legit training people. First class I ever took was with uh, Jeff Gonzalez of Trident Concepts. 
in Utah. And uh, once I took that class, that training class, I was completely hooked. I was completely hooked in training, and I just went deep shit crazy after that. Um, but I've always been in this mindset. What about you, Andy? I mean, I've kind of been I've been interested in preparedness for a while and kind of been doing a little bit here and there and finally got into it a lot more once um, once 2020 happened. And I had been wanting to get on social media, do Instagram or YouTube or whatever. I'd been thinking about that for a while. And I just kind of started last year. I just kind of intended as a uh, just kind of like a general preparedness page, just kind of showing some of the stuff I'm doing just some of the stuff I've been doing with a limited budget. And I kind of started posting some stuff about comms and comms was the stuff that I really got a lot more questions on and just kind of got the realization that, okay, this is, this is what more people, this is what a lot more people are interested in. This is an area that there's a lot more questions that need answered. I think I'm kind of best suited to kind of stick to this side. And I mean, I'm still kind of doing a lot of the other stuff in the background, but this is just kind of, what I've been focusing on, if that, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've got kind of the same feeling as you, like things are just kind of ratcheting up to some kind of point where it's all going to boil over. Just kind of that, uh, impending feeling, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to bring it back to spiritual terms, I mean, biblical prophecy, if you read it and you study world history, is spot on. And if you look at the trajectory we're going in the trajectory, the Bible says that the world is going to end up. It's like, yeah, we're on a collision course for that situation right now. The, the truth, the reality is, it's like, I don't, I don't know if there's any stopping it or even slowing it down for that matter, but I definitely think we can all react to it and position ourselves to be in the most favorable circumstances, considering what's happening and what's going to happen, you know, regardless of what you believe. There's no stopping this the country the collapse of this country. There's no you're not there's nobody voting their way out of this. What's going on? And then you're exactly right. You just do the best you can. With, you know your family, your neighborhood, your town, whatever you can do. There there is no stopping this. Yeah, it's coming. It, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly think there are forces trying to make it happen. They're oh, trying absolutely. to cause problems. Yeah. You know, that's that's where when I when I dig into scripture and look at things from a theological perspective and even I mean, there's there's a lot there that I, I study and, and I could it's a long rabbit trail. But there's a greater conspiracy that goes far beyond the, the physical realm. And I think that our government is tapped into that. And I think a lot of world governments are tapped into that. And it's it's a scheme for global control, basically. Is what it is. It's the stuff that Alex Jones talks about. As nuts as he is, he's not wrong. Oh, I, I agree. And the, I mean, let's just bring up this UFO stuff they keep bringing up constantly. I'm like, all right, all, there was never UFOs. All that wasn't real. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's UFOs everywhere, and they're UFOs this. I'm like, you guys are, uh, you know, you guys are up to something. You know, normal people, are, there may be UFOs somewhere in the universe, but. What you guys are doing is not, this is not UFOs. This is, this is one, like you were saying, one world government scheming. Yeah, they're, they're, they're setting up, they're setting the stage for the next act. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. COVID didn't work. They got to try something else. Let me tell you, they could show me a video of a UFO attacking the White House, which 
I mean, we've seen that movie before, but I wouldn't believe it. I'm like, they, 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 they made this up. They deep faked this. Well, with AI doing what it's doing now, it's a real possibility. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You can't believe anything you see, any video, anything. This AI and the deep fake stuff is actually super scary. Uh, I'm going to plug another podcast right now. I wasn't ever planning on doing this, but y'all listen to Sean Ryan show. I have listened a little bit. He just had a guy on that was, you should check I it out. Not. It's a really good show. He's a former Navy SEAL. He just had a guy on who is a expert in hacking the human mind and uh, was a consultant for the CIA on how to emotionally manipulate people. And his message now is AI is coming. It's we can't stop it, and AI's mo is going to be to hack the human mind, to manipulate people's mind will, uh, manipulate people's will by manipulating their emotions. So you guys need to learn how to figure out how the human mind works. Learn yourself and start to prepare for it because this is coming. You know, it's uh, it's really kind of creepy, but. I mean, look at that Google executive just quit because of how freaked out he is about AI, the AI that he built. Uh, Elon Musk went to Congress begging them to stop AI development. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person that ever watched Terminator. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm like, my whole AI life is like Terminator. I watched Terminator. I see what happened. It's a great movie, too. Come on, guys. It's literally go. It's literally we're literally going the same path Skynet. as that movie. Skynet's coming. Yeah, Skynet. Skynet went live. Skynet went live. <laughs> I mean, that's the premise of the movie, too. Oh, I was I was just visiting with family. Yeah, I, I was just visiting with family last weekend, and my dad was talking about how cool AI was, and we were sitting on the couch, and he had his phone out, and uh, he was teaching the Google AI in his phone who was in certain pictures on his phone like he could like he he actually showed he showed the ai a picture of me and he named me in that picture and ai started going through his phone and started asking him is this your son is this your son is this your son and i literally asked him like you you've watched terminator right it's like yeah does that not freak you out no, this is really cool. Yeah, I, I, it's both really cool and really freaky. Yeah, it is. It it does have its cool aspects. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I dug into the AI art, and I thought it was amazing. But that's as far as the AI I wanted. The AI art, where I type in something and they paint up a picture, or make a picture of what I wanted, I thought was great. I don't want any more than that. I tried that, and I was unimpressed, but maybe I was using the wrong one. I was using Midjourney, and it was amazing. I actually, I actually got one of the pictures printed up on the wall. I got it on a canvas. Hmm. Nice. I just want to live in the woods and fly fish all day. <laughs> you, you want you. So, you, what you're saying is, you want to move up here with me, where we can hand pump water out of the well house. <laughs> is it drinkable? Oh yeah, yeah, it's drinkable. Yeah, I'll be right there. All right, I got the hand pump. I'm gonna bring my yurt. Stop shaving. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys i'm gonna i'm gonna have to jump off soon but um before i do jake i wanted to ask i wanted to ask before i left um how how have you uh how have you been liking the sentinel pouch that you got yeah the project redacted sentinel pouch i'm glad you brought that up yeah so uh really good he sent me a pair of them we 
I, I put them on some uh, Whiskey 2-4 expander wings and put them behind my placard. And I've taken them out a few times. Uh, definitely a great addition. They also, I, I have a, a, a TAPS uh, chest rig, and uh, I haven't put them on there yet. I want to and take that out as well. But, man, I'm so thrilled that that guy was willing to work with us the way he has. Um, great dude, too. You know, if you want to support local, he's the guy that you want to go to. Uh, he, very simple product, very affordable, too. Um, but for the audience out there, check out uh, projectredacted.store. Uh, that's his website. Uh, so if you don't know, we took an idea to him for a general purpose pouch, kind of a large general purpose pouch, where he put some elastic sleeves inside of it that can fit radios, two of them, or magazines, or you don't even have to use them at all. And he put two little, uh, uh, three little pin sleeves on the front of the pouch. And this was really cool. I just kind of like came up with this on a whim. I was like, hey, man, it'd be really cool if you could put a pocket on the front for a right in the rain pouch. He's like, yeah, you got it. And he did it. And then he sent it. I was like, dude, this is actually really cool. Uh, so I got to take it out, test it a few times. And great, man. I love it. It's an awesome pouch. I, I can't wait to get my hands on them. I've been watching them on his stories and on his posts for a while. And I've been excited since the first prototype was kind of teased and eh, i just can't wait to get my hands on one i think he's got the first batch rolling out soon yeah i talked to him the other day i think he's already rolled out about 18 and he's got more on order so nice thank you uh project redacted shout out to you uh appreciate working with us on it man it's really really awesome that you have yeah absolutely all right guys well i gotta get going it's been great talking with you tonight yeah you know what i gotta get going too uh we've been at it for a little bit over two hours so yeah Andy, Tony, appreciate you uh, coming back on the podcast, and let's do it again soon. Anytime, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Have All a right, good guys. Out.